means that we're turning and burning. Turning and burning, baby. Double digits. Double digits, baby. Hello and welcome to the Ohms Lounge, episode 10, Trends in Gaming. We have your host today, Ohms, and myself, the Lone Salesman. And this is going to be a continuation of our series where we talk about trends in gaming. And today we have a few topics. It's going to be split up into two different episodes. The first topic we'd like to cover is the influence of subscriptions on gaming. This one was uh, brought by Ohms. So, uh, Ohms, um, what brought this topic up? Um, well, I've been kind of looking a bit more seriously into the whole game developer thing, really? at least for my own sake, just to because I need to pursue a, you know, a higher education. And um, absolutely. I decided I decided, you know what? I'm already a pretty big nerd. I like good stories, the thought provoking stuff in programming, whatever. And so I've been watching on and off uh, a bunch of the GDC conference vods and this is like where you get a lot of really interesting uh information i came across this one it was like game subscriptions is netflix uh is the netflix of games inevitable and what does it mean for developers and so after i thought about it i was like yeah this is pretty interesting anything that deals with developers i'm pretty vested in right but what they're talking about is a lot of things man so they're going over how Netflix is wanting to get into something something kind of similar to what um, Xbox Game Pass has, PlayStation Plus. Apparently, there's something called Amazon Luna. I've never heard of that until I watched this. So Wow. And I was like looking at, um, like, all right, so what is this then? What I come to find out is that they see definitely, they see a future in it. They definitely see the potential they see that most of the spending in games is on in-game monetization, primarily in free-to-play games. So 79% of the total market opportunity in 2021 in terms of consumer spending was based on in-game monetization. Like, there's that keynote. Wow. Uh, I guess that's where we're going. Uh, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of people that want games. But they like the catchphrase... The Netflix, uh, Netflix of games, and what that equates to is a catalog of content from what they were saying in the video. Yeah, so what we're basically talking about is like really like Xbox Game Pass, PSN Now, um, Nvidia Now, or like you mentioned, Amazon Luna. So this is being seen as a future, but how is it for the developer side exactly? Well, they were comparing it to like uh comparing it to like how the music industry has shifted to subscription-based monetizations, that's that's doing well for a lot of musicians. Like, not so much for independent musicians, but, I mean, we have Zay, and Zay has his stuff on Spotify. Shout out to Zay. Um, but then there's other places where if you really want to su- uh, support that musician, you have things like Bandcamp. And same thing with game developers. You know, you have Itch.io, you got Game Jolt. And you can just go and check out their website and find their stuff directly from Steam. Right. Um, but he even addresses it. He was just like, he understands that it kind of like puts a little bit of fear into game studios and developers because they see it potentially, you know, that they're pretend that they're going to progressively get more and more squeeze and like how the rules of monetization are going to change and 
from like what we're used to now. So I don't know. And even he doesn't really know whenever I was watching the, you know, the seminar or. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of it like this. And from what I've reviewed from the video, I think the industries are slightly different and maybe developers have a little less to worry about because Netflix, you know, they set a budget for most of the movies and shows and depending on who watches or views them determines whether or not they're going to continue it. Right. Uh, when we're talking about these game passes and stuff, we're talking about most of these games are already made or they've been released for like years. And, uh, I think we we can both agree that a lot of them include older titles, which uh, which isn't a bad thing. Sometimes they include newer ones. It's a little different, right? If you're developing for this like platform, or whether or not you already have a game uh, that maybe hasn't sold in a while, it's sitting on Steam somewhere. Maybe they can make a little extra money by putting on on Game Pass passively. I'm not exactly sure. But I think it's somewhat of a win-win for both people, for the gamers, consumers, and the uh, developers, right? I mean... Well, yeah, I would say so. Because later on in the video, he was talking about like how you, know, you have commercial and entertainment sectors. Commercial is going to be uh, Netflix themselves and how they're going to be directly working with the ind- independent developers or contracted out developers or potentially even... Uh, a small section of the AAA studio if there's already something that's already, um, you know, established on Netflix that everybody knows. So that's good. That's good for the developer because that means they're going to get their money. They're going to have everything up front, ideally in like the perfect, you know, situation. So hopefully the, the developer that ends up scoring a deal with Netflix gets their money before anything happens, you know, because like it would suck if they were approved to, you know, get the ball rolling on their project. That's an indie game and it's going to be launched on Netflix. But then you end up having a situation where like the stock, you know, for Netflix's stock tanks. And so they end up having to like pull. And you've seen that recently with them pulling. um, What was it? A few things like there was a few animations I can't name off the top of my head, but those got pulled. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the Wonder Twins thing was supposed to be on Netflix, but that got pulled as well. Well, That could be wrong. Maybe I'm getting that mixed up with something else. I mean, we could also, I mean, the biggest, I think the most popular show that was pulled was The Office. Oh, I mean, that was also through, what, NBC, whenever it It first started? Yeah, it was an NBC thing because they started their whole streaming Peacock Now or whatever, See My Cock Now, something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, NBC or CBS All Access, there's all these like broadcasters starting their own service, right? So it's like whatever, right? Um, let them do their thing. I guess if you're if we're talking about Netflix in particular, their their library isn't exactly uh that expensive. So like, if I was a developer, like trying to put my stuff out exclusively on Netflix, I would probably be a little bit worried. But, I mean, if we're talking about a bigger platform like Xbox or PlayStation, where we're talking about Epic Games, I mean, 
can we can we uh, talk about some of the payouts there real quick? I remember I showed you that. I mean, yeah. that was from like what 2019. That's from 2019. Yeah, I mean, they were just on a roll, and they still are. I mean, it's never like really ending. I'll pull it up right here. Some of the like we're so for Subnautica, the buyout price was over a million, a little over a million. So and, the developer got a million just cold hard cash right then and there. Yeah. And as long as uh Epic got to put it out for free, right? Right. And and people were streaming it, they were playing it, and there's other Subnautica games that's not the only one. So maybe some people went and picked up the other ones. Um we have Super Meat Boy, that was a indie title. They bought them out for fifty thousand. Um, your favorite game, hyper or one of your favorites, Hyperlight Drifter, yeah. which you actually had a stake in, if I'm not, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So like, I remember I saw it. It was probably around maybe 2012, 2013 is when I first saw it on Kickstarter or something, and I was like, oh shit, this looks amazing. So put like fifty bucks into it. The developer he got sick, so like the game got prolonged and it was just made by him and like maybe a few other people disaster piece he did the ost to that disaster piece ended up getting his big break because of that game uh he's the guy that ended up doing the original soundtrack for it follows so like he's gotten oh, like wow. yeah so like he's been in movies too like with just just for his music and so like i saw that i was just like this is awesome i saw something in uh like it was really gratifying whenever i ended up you know betting right especially right. in a talent. And that makes you so hype because it just, uh, you know, you want to see like the little guy win, you know, like I'm, looks, I'm, I'm always rooting for the underdog. Everybody likes an underdog story. I, it looks cool. I, I actually, I've heard of it and I haven't played it, but honestly, I'm, I'm watching this trailer right now. And, um, it actually has some, I, I think this guy like Evangelion because I see some like imagery that's kind of similar to it. But, uh, this is a really popular game. Uh, at the time because my my friend was playing this too when it came out and uh, i was like yeah. oh what is this like this, this is kind of cool like i just wanted to say because because of this game it was completely homebrewed made by one dude and a you know guy that made the music right like netflix saw something in it so much so that they decided to give Net, uh hyperlight drifter its own show which is gonna be on netflix so that's awesome yeah it's gonna be an animation looks great and, you know, like they, they see something in the indie devs, you know, because if they're able to produce something as great as this game and they already have the trailers out for Hyperlight Drifter, I forgot what the uh, what the TV show is going to be called, but the animation looks sick and the new game looks great. So. I mean, I, I think movies, too, like they like seeing their vision because it's unique. It's not mainstream. It's a new outlook. It's uh, its own style. Even like going back to like Sam Raimi, right? Sam Raimi, the director of Evil Dead, got to do Spider Man. For <laughs> me, and this is the guy, Peter Jackson himself. You know, started with these cheesy horror movies, and then he made Lord of the Rings. It's like, all right, yeah, that's how. Yeah, like if it wasn't for B movies from way back when, like Evil Dead. If you haven't seen the very first Evil Dead, it's not that great. It's really not. Even my <laughs> friend. He absolutely loves Bruce Campbell and he loves Sam Raimi. He loves the Evil Dead series. Absolutely loves it. But even he admits that the very first one sucked. And then it wasn't until six years later that they came out with Evil Dead 2. That one was pretty good. Yeah, Army of Darkness Darkness 
Yeah, it's that it's, was that was where everybody paid attention. It's classic. It's just it's got its own style and comedy to it. It's first one is just wacky and surreal. I guess you just have you have to be in the right mood. And I I, I could say sometimes with some indie games, I I feel the same way. Like I have to be in the right mood to play certain games. Um, that might be a little high concept. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I like coffee break games, like the ones I can just pick up for 10 minutes, put right back down. Right. Like, just for example, like, you know, um, I was avoiding playing Fire Emblem, getting back into that for a while because I I was getting frustrated. And um, I was like, now I'm in the right mindset. I feel calm. I want to, like, play a casual game where I can sit down and just, you know, think out my my moves. And uh, there it is. So. Going back to this topic about subscription games and what we've been dealing with for the past couple of years, let's like talk about the different services that are available right now. So starting with the Xbox Game Pass, I think this was the one that kind of took the world by storm when it first came out. I think it was just like the best deal out there, right? I mean, you had hundreds of games across Xbox and place uh pc and some of them were like mainstream games some of them were indie games um you know whatever and now we have even halo like for free but like the brand new halo they took a huge risk instead of making it like i mean just look at the numbers dude just look at the numbers just go to 10 minutes and 12 seconds on that video dude it shows you right there yeah i i i had it playing here but yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, look at that. Sixty yep. percent. Western Q4 2021. Even Apple has its own stake. Yeah. Ubisoft Plus. Eh. Well, the other thing is like, uh, I see EA Play on here. Um, Xbox even integrated EA Play with it. Uh, if you get the uh, Ultimate Edition or whatever. There's just so many good perks with it. And now we have the new PlayStation now coming out here in a few months. Uh, actually, next month, June. So starting in actually May. In Asia markets, we're actually already getting it. But Japan's getting it in June. And then the rest of the world's also getting it later on in June. But. Basically, what they're doing is, you know, you still have your regular uh, PlayStation Plus two months. You get uh, two games per month, uh, some discounts, whatever. And then the extra, which is like a little bit extra. (laughs) You get your games catalog to download and play whatever you want in their catalog. And then the premium, you have a bunch of classic titles, PlayStation 3 games and street uh cloud streaming gaming which has kind of gotten better through the years uh, yeah i've heard some pretty good things i've even messed around with uh playstation's cloud gaming thing i i can't remember what it was. i think yeah playstation now i think that's what it was called so yeah. i messed around with that and it was working out just fine yeah, I mean, not everyone has the best internet, but I mean nowadays it's like becoming a standard 
for most people, not saying everyone, but uh, I mean, even if you're living in Japan, for, you know, most places have fiber. Um, America, they're overhauling a lot of places. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, do we really want to move this direction? Like, I mean, if you go to the nine minute mark in the video, look at that. I mean, the North American and uh, European game game content subscription market forecast oh, right uh, now we're at three point seven bill. Jesus, and game then, content th- subscription services, all other gaming. Yeah, go to nine thirty-five. Yeah, and then we go here. Yeah, it's just growing. Going to be even more. Well, it's yeah, the it's forecast. Eight point four, eight point four billion dollars by twenty twenty-seven, and that's just six years away. It's a little scary to think, you know. And one thing I think that maybe can be worked on better for the future is. One thing I do like about Netflix, Amazon, uh, they do tend to kind of suggest things that are in your interests. Uh, sometimes I don't see this in uh, Xbox Game Pass or uh, other services. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's nice to get a free game, but um, you know, when you have such a large catalog of things, it's really hard to decide sometimes what you want to play, especially. Maybe you don't even know what you want to play, and you, you open up your catalog here, and then you're like, uh, I don't know. Who cares? You know, you, <laughs> I, but you look at it, and then you just say, fuck it. Me, I don't really have the time to play video games, or at least enjoy them. Like, uh, what's a game that I've been playing recently? It's like 10 minutes till something. Yeah, 10 minutes till dawn. I've been playing that a lot. And yeah, the whole objective of the game is just to play. Uh, you have ten minutes, and it's just counting down and survive. And I can't get I can't get past six minutes. I'm always dying at like the four minute mark. Oh wow! And I've been like I looked on Steam, and I got like three hours into it, and that's free to play. Wow! But the bit, like the market model that they have for that game is like, oh, you know, you've unlocked half of the characters and half of the guns, and uh, I see. once the whole game comes out. It's going to be 20 minutes and you're going to have more characters and more guns to play with. I was like, all right. I mean, I'm having fun. No, I mean, whatever. Fuck it. But I didn't, you know, I haven't wishlisted it yet, but as far as games, dude, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. I, I'm more interested in seeing like how games are made. Cause I don't know. I, I, I see a lot of value in that. I see a lot of, cause like a lot of, uh, I mean, shit, Netflix, entertainment industries, like media and entertainment, they are u- they are looking at people that know how to do 3D rent, uh, rendering, rigging, all that stuff, animators, because, I mean, if you haven't seen Love, Death, Robots, Volume 3, that that's crazy. You know, it's great. Everybody loves it. 10-minute shorts. And that's that's where the entertainment industry is going toward now. They want those people like Hideo Kojima. He's wanting to do his own um, his own version of like a movie studio thing. He wants to make films. Mm. And, you know, you saw that with uh, he's, a, he's a big film buff. And, and you know, his, his yeah. 
late you know the death stranding game is a very cinematic experience um it's it's a different game it you gotta be in the right mood to play it but it, it is quite the experience and i think some of those creative thoughts can be better to uh, probably better used in a film but you know in an animated film yeah if that dude you know what was one of my favorite uh games was uh the walking dead from telltale games really a really fun interactive click you know it's a point and click game basically it but it was really fun adventure yeah but it's it was it was simple and fun and uh you know they they're the same people that did the minecraft game for netflix oh oh yeah 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 and now they're doing uh, a Stranger Things game for Netflix. So I think those type of games can probably be good for Netflix. Like a choose your own story thing. They uh, did do that with one of the movies. I can't remember which one it was called. It was, but... it was the Black Mirror Bandersnatch. The movie is basically about them making a game. And then the game kind of like... Yep, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was a fantastic movie. And you can go through all the options and see what happens. In fact, you can make the movie as short as, uh, I think 10 or 15 minutes. If you choose the right, um, option, but you can keep going, of course. But, um, yeah. So I think, I think in Netflix in particular, if they stick to something like that, that would be, I would like to see that, but, uh, I would prefer, like I just don't see myself going to Netflix to play games. Um, like I like. Do you stream- watch Netflix on your phone? Like, because I I don't know if you do or not, but I, I don't. Like, I like watching Netflix on my tablet. I yeah, same. I watch it in my bed. The best the best feature they have is the ability to download a movie, and then you can go watch it on the go. Because uh, you know, I used to always do that. I'd go take a train to go to Fukuoka or something. Um, it would take a little bit, or I'd take the bus, I'd download a movie and watch it. And then, if I didn't finish it, pause it, and then, on the way back, I'd finish the rest. So, um, it, it, it's a nice feature. So, it, yeah, this, this whole topic is, is huge, but in general, I can say that it's, we're, it's going in a good direction, and I don't see it being bad. However, uh, I think the the bad side to this is the games that are trying to make the extra money by having in-app purchases. And that's one thing that Netflix actually promises is that none of their games have in-app purchases, which is kind of nice. And I respect that because you play a game like Halo, for example... You know, you got your battle pass, you got your skins, you got your whatever, boosters, all this crap. It's like the same thing you're getting on mobile games, Call of Duty Mobile, uh, PUBG, all, all this stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that I am getting tired of seeing in in my games. And I mean, Apex Legend, but here's the thing. I, I'm not saying, like, they got to make money, right? I understand that. Like, I play Apex Legends. It's a free-to-play VR game. I spend money on cosmetics and the battle pass fine. But I just don't think that all games need it. I don't think that should be the standard. 
like if you're developing a game and it's meant to be either are you developing it to be free to play or is it going to be like a standalone title like hyperlight drifter right like what would you pay for in that game like more levels that's that's fair right i mean for something like that probably just a sequel a sequel like i would pay yeah. another 50 bucks for another for another hyperlight drifter game and i mean they are making another game but it's not like the same style game it's it's not top down isometric or anything like that like they're making a completely different ip and And supposedly it's like a prequel to hyperlight drifter i don't know but i mean it's cool it's kind of like what you saw with uh risk of rain and risk of rain 2 they're completely different and i'm okay with that like that's how uh undertale was with uh delts ruin uh the 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 structure's still there but there's uh, improvements here and there and you know some things are different um and i see that we're moving farther away from that and i think the indie games are the only games that are kind of still doing that they're continuing by making their game better and then adding you know whatever uh meanwhile you have games like i don't know madden FIFA. The, I mean, they know it works. They've been they've been following that shit for for fucking ever. Like, yeah. I can't even, when was the first Madden game? Here, let's go back. God, let's do a quick I Google. think two thousand. It, it, you know, it went all the way back to like Atari and shit, right? Yeah, I know it's pretty old. I think ninety five. Nope, eighty nine. Eighty nine. Jesus. On the Apple II. So they've been following this dude. Like numbers don't lie. These investors and if it's, angel it's, investors or whatever, they <laughs> love being shown graphs. Yeah, all the graphs, and that's what it yep. all is about. At the end of the day, I guess if uh, the stockholders are happy, they're making money. The consumers are happy. Whatever. Um, I, I guess mean, it, something something like that too. Also. And Madden's like defense and even 2K is like the game is always changing. The players are always changing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, okay, the, the players are changing and the stats get different, but like, couldn't they just make like with another the Ma- NBA Street or something or even NFL Street? Dude, those games were fun as fuck. Well, yeah, do something like that or have have like NBA 2K be a game and have it a, 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 a pay a free to play game and have it. You know, wouldn't that be better at this point? Because you're already. I mean, they are. And in, in 2K's defense, they did release it for free on Epic last year. And I got it and I played it and I liked it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I that's mean, fine. Eh. Like, I'm just saying, if they're not, if you're not going to be adding a lot of features, and, and I can say the same with Call of Duty, and this is like, in Call of Duty's defense, the only thing they did right was making Warzone, is because no matter how many titles they have, you can still play Warzone. Sure, the guns are updated, and yeah, you got to play the game to, you know, if you get the other games, it's easier to level up the guns, or you could just buy the fucking blueprints, whatever. I like that, and I'm I'm not always playing Warzone, but they have the money to put in cool shit like Godzilla and King Kong. Uh, like that'll make me play. I'm sorry, I'm that's just my thing. Uh, I would for- actually really like more of the. Like what they did with Modern Warfare 2. And yeah. I'm always going to hold that game on a on a golden pedestal. 
because that just, game is it's awesome. It's great. Just, just release some map packs. Like that was the only thing they nope. did. You know what I want? I want more of those uh, those challenges. Oh, the challenges. Yeah, like whenever you first like had to go like a uh, what was it? Like the snow sniper mission. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. One, and having to face the juggernaut. Yeah, like that shit was fun. That shit was really fun. Uh, I think Modern Warfare, the new one, had some nice cinematic. It was a. It was actually a decent story from the uh, new Modern Warfare. The Vanguard one didn't look too good, nor did uh, the World War Two. Like I, I didn't like it that much. I mean, the Battle of Normandy it was it was kind of like the best part, but, um, but yeah. So like, what we're what we're expecting from games now uh, with the subscription model, um, yes, it's good for. That's the other thing is how is the quality going to be? Because on Netflix, you can find some quality shows and then you can find some not so good ones. Same thing with Amazon Prime, whatever. Like, what is their, I guess, level of quality for? Because is, if we're talking about releasing like mobile games, if that's going to be the standard, then I am not interested. Like, I don't know. I don't want to sound like picky, but I think there should be a platform for all types of games. But okay, so let's take this one for example: a AAA that ended up going to mobile. You know what I'm talking about? What are we talking about? It was the same story. Fucking Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy. They made it into a mobile version, and it was the same story. You remember that? (sighs) Well, here's here's my thing. With Final Fantasy and uh, Rockstar did something similar with with their Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and uh, Vice Vice City, they they basically made it so you could play it on your phone. Cool. I you know what? I play Final Fantasy six on my iPad and I love it. I play Chrono Trigger on there. It's fun. It plays well. Yeah. There's no problems. Uh, they do actually hire additional developers to like add other features and bonus shit actually chrono trigger does have uh bonus levels and shit on a on the mobile i I didn't even know some of the stuff was new but apparently it is and it's addicting i will oh go on no i mean i think those old school like 90s rpgs are like it's just so fun to play on like my ipad and i guess if uh netflix or a different service offered that same thing like I could play more of those type of games on my iPad, like while I'm on on the go or on my train. Like right now, I'm mostly competing to work on train, and it takes me a good amount of time. So, like, yeah, if they had a like cool catalog of like Final Fantasy games or whatever, like that'd be kind of cool for me. Right. So, um, yeah, it's this is a big topic, and maybe we could like follow up on this again to see where it's going or uh, what direction some other people are taking in. But uh, the last thing I want to touch on is uh, maybe talk a little bit about Kickstarter, because we did mention that, like, you know, Hyperlight Drifter originally was a Kickstarter game. Is that correct? Uh, let me double check. It could have been on there on, or on Indiegogo. Um, either way, it was it was crowdfunded. Now. I won't mention the big one that's crowdfunded, but uh, you brought up this other cool tabletop game Ouroboros Coils of the Serpent which is a uh, 
it's not exactly a game. Well, it's not exactly a video game, but it's like a tabletop. Well, it's a digital and physical version. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So I first heard about this game uh, through this guy that used to work at, uh, his name is uh, Mike Gilmartin. Um, he's been in the game industry ever since like 98. And then he went and joined the Marine Corps. He's just been in the um, game industry ever since. Like even right. while he was still doing the whole Marine thing. Got out and worked at Blizzard. He was, I can't remember the the title, but I believe it was something to do with Blizzard's like sales. Mm-hmm. So he's he knows he knows a lot about the industry. I actually got to speak with him not too long ago, uh, just for like a mentoring thing. So that was really cool. But I ended up uh, doing some research on the guy before I got to talk to him, and I found um, his Kickstarter for this game because he is. I believe the founder of War Chief Gaming, and I saw this. I saw that they were doing um, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition uh, type rule set for it, and I was like very impressed with like the fact that they had a very modest and humble uh, 50k uh, goal, and now it's already a what is it like 1.6 now? Yeah, 1.6 million. Yeah, so like there's a lot of people that are very interested in this game. Like this isn't we're we're not sponsored or anything by them, but no, no, no. like I, I just thought it was What's really that one point? It's at one point two. Oh, one point two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but once it ends up hitting like what, one point five, then they're gonna like actually start working on another another project. It's, so like, yeah, it seems like with yeah. each uh goal, you know, they're adding more and more stuff to it. So it's like it's kind of consistent. Yeah, it's and I think D and D is becoming way more uh, mainstream. I mean, before you know, everyone used to laugh at nerds playing in their basement, but you know, whatever. Now you have so many different types of mediums to play it, and yep. uh, there's like God knows how many fucking Dungeons and Dragons podcasts out there. Um, and yeah. it, it could be entertaining. I mean, people just letting their imagination let loose, and when you have like a good foundation like this. I mean, you have all these, like, these characters and designs look pretty fucking awesome. It's, it's like, a good place to start, right? Um, so, that would be kind of cool. Like, they, they already have... I want to be the salamander guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... I mean, it, see, and that's cool, you know. Like, I'm, I'm really happy that something like this exists, like Kickstarters for for game devs. Like, I saw there's another game, like where it's like a fighting game, but it's all based off of like children's cereal mascots. Oh my god! I forgot what it's, dude. I'm serious. Let me see. Let me, let me fucking find it, dude. Fucking Kellogg's need something to get out of their holder, and they they need this. They need to. They need to back that shit. <laughs> I want to so see. Stupid. I want oh, to see serial killers. Oh my! AZ. Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find this. It's on Indiegogo. Oh, it didn't get oh. back though. <laughs> but the if you were to check out like the demo for it, but yeah, this looks amazing, dude. I want to see Captain Crunch fight Tony the Tiger. <laughs> Oh my god, they do have Tony the Tiger and oh dude, this is awesome. Why? What the fuck? Well, they're like but, not yeah. exactly the characters, but they're like 
It's a novel inspired. idea. Dude, these look at this. They got Tony. They got Toucan Sam. They got the raisin guy, the sun. What the fuck? Is this Quaker Oats? Why is he wearing a mask? <laughs> Why is he wearing this wooden mask? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So what happened to these guys that they've acquired private funding? Okay, so. Oh, uh, okay. So so they refunded everybody, but now they got private funding for this game. So that's kind of cool. Okay. Dude. So it, they, didn't, they didn't flop. Yeah, they just, I guess someone was like, hey, you know what? But yeah, but see, like this kind of goes and shows, like it proves the point that, like, if you were to make something like crowdfunded, you're gonna probably approach for something even better. You know, training like, oats. Oh my! Like... <laughs> see, like they got a private funding thing, so they they saw it. They're like, dude, I I want this. <laughs> dude, so stupid. honestly, I feel like if you were a millionaire, you'd be like that guy. You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, babe, just, just fucking funding all this shit. Yeah. And, you, and you're like, they're like super worried and, and like sweating over your like putting out results. You're at the board meeting. And you're just like, uh, oh, that's cool. When's it like, you're just totally like nonchalant about it. Like, uh, I really think the Lucky Chimes guy should have uh, a rainbow attack. But that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. Like that's another thing I'm interested in, and and that's something that you said was a, a major positive. Uh, wrapping this this uh, up was, um, you know, uh, the whole subscription services not having to deal with the publishers getting involved with the uh, development process. I, I think you said that was one of the uh, highlights of dealing with the subscription service because you're not so worried about having a publisher release your game, market it, do all this shit. Um, while this platform is kind of doing all that for you. Yeah, like verbatim, he was saying like, uh, let's see here, let me get down to the nitty gritty. The commercial framework is different is different for the game subscription services. This also means that the drivers for content inclusion within the services vary within the game space compared to the entertainment sector. So basically what I got out of that is that, all right, you have the entertainment se- uh, sector and the commercial sector entertainment sector is branding advertising studios investors and then you have the commercial sector which is going to be indie devs small teams and they're going to be working and talking with uh the service provider in this case uh for our example is going to be netflix gotcha so so they're going to be talking with them all right well fair enough i i'd say if like and I think that's what a lot of like what Marvel has been doing too. like a lot of the times or some of these other movies and franchises. Well, I, well, I'm sorry. This is a touchy subject, but Star Wars, for example, um, <laughs> touchy for you. The four, you know, the, the whole last trilogy was a fucking mess. Um, Force Awakens was great. Um, it was handled well, I'd say. Uh, and then the second one, we have Ryan Johnson doing whatever the fuck he wanted and kind of derailed the whole trilogy. That's when having your developer or maybe that single uh, mind could potentially fuck up stuff and make it less profitable. Like, okay, maybe like like an indie from an indie dev perspective, 
you have a small team, it's really hard to fuck up because you have so you have less people involved. Uh, the bigger the team you have, the more of a chance it can get like stupid. Um, especially if you have some, I don't know, the equivalent of a producer would be in the game dev world, but maybe they have some ideas that just completely fuck up the game. And, uh, for example, Star Wars, it's like you had your second movie of your trilogy just completely derail everything. And then the third movie, Rise of Skywalker, had to, like, pick up and redo everything and just threw all this shit together and then said, uh, that's all, folks. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I like the one before that one, though. I'm more into Star Trek, but yeah, I mean, because like the last one, that's the one that me and you saw. You were like asleep and snoring and like yelling at the crowd. You're like, because people were like clapping and then you're like, why are you clapping? Nobody that made the movies here. Don't clap. <laughs> like, And then, but yeah, that's the one that I didn't care for. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't want to see that with, um, with games and with games, I mean, it's a little bit more room for uh, working, but like, let's just say, like, what if Hyperlight Drifter had a bigger team? Like, what if they were funded by the wrong people and they said, well, this game's too hard, so you got to put it in an easy mode? Or, like, well, it's too violent. We can't market it this way. It's too cartoony and violent. That doesn't make sense. Like, what if someone told Cuphead? That it's like that was a stupid idea. Why would why are we having fifties cartoons like and violent uh monsters attack? Like I don't get it. Well, you know? the way I see it is like if you're already if you're like the the original, you know, creator of said thing, you know, like Cuphead or Hyperlight Drifter, then you know, assuming that you didn't sign away, you know, your creative rights to your creation, like a dum dum. Yeah. Then uh you can just up and leave. Like that's the beauty of it. Like I've I've heard of stories where people that work in the industry at AAA studios, you know, they 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 have to sign NDAs. I've even heard that there's like developers that are not even allowed, not even fucking allowed to, you know, make their own games. That like, sucks man. because like that's like part of their contract. They're like you cannot make anything outside of what you work on over here. If you do make something it's Outside our property. Here, it's ours. Yeah, that's wow. that's how they get them, dude. That's fucked, man. Yeah, that's, it so, sounds like sounds like the same tactics like music labels use. Like, yeah, yeah, you see it everywhere, man. It's just, and that's I think hopefully something maybe the subscription thing can help people avoid. I'm not exactly I sure. Think, like now that we kind of like talked about it, kind of like read over some things and you know, seeing some stuff. I think it's good. I think it's honestly good for indie devs if they decide to go all in on it, but that's just like the risk. And even, even the analyst, uh, that was doing the, the video, even he agrees that it, you know, it's, it's a risk, but like there are benefits to, right. you know, being the first to the party. Right. I mean, you have a game like Hyperlight Drifter or Super Meat Boy that got bought by Epic. I mean, you turn your indie game into, potentially a, a double a game or or maybe in the future a triple a game you know it's like that's the benefit of 
marketing or selling your game to a free uh, a free platform or a subscription based service. Epic is a little different because they just give free games to whoever downloads their uh, launcher. They have a ten year plan on this whole thing, which okay, go for it. So what I can see totally happening, um, I can totally see Heavy Metal Magazine getting with Netflix and saying, all right, cool, we'll do a deal. We'll allow you to have this, uh, this story. So like ranks, for example, yeah, um, R-A-N-X, uh, that story, we'll give it to you. We'll give you the, the fucking, the animation rights or whatever, but Hey, we want a game too. Do you okay. think you can do that? And you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, sure. What about first chapter? We have a small development team that they're super into fucking heavy metal. And so I can see that happening because uh, who is it? The guy that ended up doing uh, Love Death Robots. Yeah. He did. I even had it written down. Jabaro. His name. Alberto. Melgo, he and he uh, he did a podcast on heavy metal magazines or yeah, with with heavy metal. And it was really cool. You know, I ended up like learning about like what his process was and stuff like that. But because he already have that connection with a guy that works at Netflix and heavy metal magazine that has all these short stories and comics, like you already have like these two creative geniuses and all it would take is just maybe just, hey, man, like just. A pitch to some people over there at Netflix. Sure, dude, this shit looks That's pretty gnarly. I'm looking yeah, at their man. website. Yeah, heavy metal is awesome, dude. I, I love th- their stuff, dude. Honestly, I mean, if they're turning podcasts into, I mean, we're turning comic books into movies. We're turning, uh, yep, podcasts into sense. shows. I mean, why not start from here? This, these short stories written by people. I mean, some of these they probably can't do if it's based on a different IP, but why not? I mean, it's all underneath heavy metal. Yeah. Cause like what I would love, dude, I would give anything for another heavy metal 2000 or like, cause like all heavy metal 2000 was, was just a bunch. It was basically love death robots before love death robots. That's An- all anthology it was. It was series. Of, yeah. It was just a bunch of different stories. Right. Just thrown into a fucking movie, but done by a bunch of different animators. Like it was beautiful. It's great. That's cool, man. I, I, I would hope to see more of that. Thing. Hell yeah! I, I really enjoyed like Star Wars Visions, and uh, I, that was from a, a lot of different uh, Japanese animation studios. Their whole take on Star Wars with general theme. It was just so interesting to see what each one did, and uh, I would love to see more of that. And, and if gaming, like, dude, what if they did like that with gaming? Like, imagine like you get like five or ten indie devs, like make a game, like have a game jam. And then put it out on Netflix or put it out on one of these uh, streaming services and make it its own category. Like, I don't know, like the like, let's just say they tell them to make an RPG or something. Yeah, I'll do you one better. Have a bunch of indie game devs make a. What is it? You know, at the very end, a credits like a. A screen credits game. Ooh. So you remember how, like in uh, in Super Smash Brothers, whenever yeah, you ended yeah. up beating it on GameCube, you'd just, like, like shoot around the, all the credits. The credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do something like that. That'd be cool. Why not? The, the Marvel movies need to do that because their credits are so fucking long, and you always have to wait. Yep. 
that's it for this episode today. It went over a little longer than we expected, but it's a huge topic and it's something that we are seeing that's still evolving. Our next episode, we're going to talk about the new generation of card games. So stay tuned. Ohms, do you have any uh, closing thoughts on this uh, subject? Get your Yu-Gi-Oh cards ready. A piece of cardboard's worth more than a gallon of gas these days. Yeah. That's set in. Also, anybody that is like into indie game development or anything like that, please reach out to me. I am looking for mentors and people to talk game development with, um, especially if you're an expat, especially if you're an expat in Japan. Please reach out. Yeah. Uh, Twitter. My Twitter's always open. Uh, forward slash Omsdev or at Omsdev. O h m s d e v. And uh, yeah. Yep. That's it. Thank you. You can find his uh, Twitter in the description of the episode, whether you're watching it on uh, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever podcast platform you're watching this on or listening. Anyway, stay tuned. Thank you.